I'm going to read um, part of First John, a couple chapters out of First John, uh, chapter three and four, I think, and then just make a few comments on a couple verses. Um, you have to forgive me if this is disjointed and crazy. If you have questions, ask me afterwards, because I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make this very clear, but we'll try. Beginning at chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, excuse me, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit he hath given us. Beloved, 
believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loved God, loveth God, love his brother also. I was drawn to this simply, I mean, if you've been around me very long, you know that I like to quote Jude when he says, keep yourself in the love of God. I don't think there's anything more important for us to grapple with, to lay hold upon in our Christian life than love. There's nothing that is more pressed upon us in the scriptures than that we are people who have the love of God in our hearts. The fact that God is spoken of in this section we just read twice, it says God is love that it's his nature. It's not that he's loving, but that he is love. We don't read that God is righteousness. Now, God is righteous, and his love is a righteous love, and everything he does is righteous. But we actually read here that he is 
love. And I think that's something to take note of when we are called to be like him, we are called to be people who love. And so I, I was thinking about this, and I, I wanted to just share with you real briefly, there's a, there's a pattern in the book of 1 John that I think is, is important because it, it kind of reflects this idea of, of who, who God is as the eternal one. The very first verse says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. And he's talking there of Christ. And he's saying he was from the beginning. When he's speaking to the aged fathers, he says, you have known him who was from the beginning. Uh, that's later on in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 7, he says, brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which he had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. So you have this over and over and over again. Uh, chapter 2, verse 14, he says, I have written unto you fathers, and this is where I just referred to, from the beginning. You have known him as from the beginning. Then again, in verse 24, that same chapter, he says, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. And then, Again, in verse, let's see here, 8 of chapter 3, and I may be missing a few, but I think this is the, the last one in this section. He says, little children, let no man deceive you, verse 7. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then again in verse 11, for this is the message that he heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And if, if there's any doubt when the beginning was, he says, not as king. Not as king. So he's going all the way back to the beginning. He's saying it was from then. This commandment you have had from the beginning. And the commandment that he gives us here is love that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And you go down to verse let's see, 3, 23, I think. He says it again. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as he gave us commandment. And then again in chapter 4. Uh, verse 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loves his brother also. And so I would submit to you tonight that the commandment that we have had from the beginning, the commandment that Adam had in the garden, was love. Love to his fellow man and love to his creator God. 
if you look at Hosea, we get kind of a, 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 a I guess an echo of this. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. In the King James it reads, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. There have, there have they dealt treacherously against me. The word for mercy here is steadfast love. It's hased. So you could read this, for I have desired steadfast love and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. There have they dealt treacherously with me. And if you look at the word for like men, it literally means like Adam. And so you could read this. I have desired steadfast love and not mercy, or <laughs> not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings, but they, like Adam, have transgressed the covenant. There have they dealt treacherously against me. Christ echoes the fact that the law is summed up in two commandments. They ask him, which is the greatest? And he said, the greatest of these is love to the Father. And the second is like unto it, and that is love to your fellow man. But he said something very interesting in that, that I think we miss sometimes. And that is that we have a tendency to put the Decalogue on top, and we say this is the summation of those. But what Christ actually said was, these two are the commandments, and all the law and the prophets hang upon these two. And so if we get a hold of that, we can see that what John is saying here, he's saying it was this way from the beginning. And that's why he says it's a new commitment, but it's an old commitment. It's a new commitment because now you have Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's going to come out of you. But it's the old commitment that you had from the very beginning. It has never changed. It has always been, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that all the law, and all the prophets, and all of this that we've, we've had in the Old Testament Scriptures hung. They were subservient to. They were an expression of these, not the other way around. And I think it's important to get a hold of that, because it, it gives us a picture of who our God is. When we say God is love, <clears throat> it's not just Jesus that loves us. It's God the Father. He loved us so much that he sent his Son. It's the Holy Spirit who loves us. Because he woos us and he draws us to the Father, to the Son. And so we have a God who is love. And we are called to be like him. And we're called to be lovers like him. But then that brings me to the question of what is love? We talk about it and we can say, well, yes, this is what it is. But what is love? I'm sure you've all heard this. You've probably said this. I think I have said this. I haven't said it lately. <laughs> but we hear people say things like, well, love is an action. You can love somebody and not like them. I beg to differ. We can be kind to someone, but I don't think we can love them unless our heart goes out after them. 
If we look at our Savior on the earth, if we look at Him as He wept over Jerusalem, as He wept at the tomb, as His bowels were moved with compassion on the multitudes, we see the love of God. We see a God who was not just doing, He was feeling. He was moved. And I think we can fool ourselves into thinking that we are loving when we are simply doing our duty. There's a difference. Duty, we have duty. We are to be kind. We are to be gentle. We are to be forgiving. But we can do that with our enemies. People who we have no regard for whatsoever. We can be kind to a total stranger and not really love them. And and I think that there's an important distinction there. If you look at 1 Corinthians Which, of course, you know, what is love? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, right? You go there, and we have there a list of what love is. Love is patient, right? Let's see, where is it here? He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. And so all of those things are, I suppose, the duty of love. They are the result of love in the heart. If we love someone, we will be kind to them. If we love someone, we will be patient with them. If we truly love someone, we will not think highly of ourselves. We will think more highly of them. We will not think evil of them if we love them. But having said that, we can do all of those things and still not be loving someone. We focus on verses 4 through 8. But if you go up just a verse or two before that, he says, actually the verse before it, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, that's duty. Though I give my body to be burned, that's duty. If I have not love, I'm nothing. So you can do a lot of things. You can even go so far in your doing that you're giving yourself to be burned at the stake because of your commitment to something or to someone. But it does not mean that you love me. On the flip side of that, we can say we love someone, and if we don't do these things, our love is not real. It's not true. And I say all of this in the context of the great love of our Father in Heaven. This is a picture of our God. And this is the greatest motivation I can think of to come to prayer. Because we have a God who loves us with an everlasting love. We have a God who loves us with an agape love. An unconditional love. 
this love that we have is our greatest motivation to pray. And again, I'll go back and I'll finish in, in First John again. manifested the love of God toward us because that he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And then again at verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. He first loved us. James uh, hints at... I'll just end here. One more verse after this. Then I'll end. Um, the very beginning of the book he's talking about the trials we go through and he says knowing this that the trying of your faith works patience but let patience have her perfect work that she may be perfect and entire wanting nothing I think Paul keys in on this in Romans 5 and he expands it out that perfect work that James is calling for in our trials and in our difficulties Paul expands it let's go to real quick Romans chapter 5 And I think this is something we should be praying for often. Oh, come on now. There it is. Um, and with a real sense of urgency in our hearts, because if we would be like God, we need to be like Him in this, in the fact that we love one another and that we love Him. Paul says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. And he uses the exact same language, he just goes further. We glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because, because, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So as you pray tonight, as you pray this week, ask the Lord to do this. Ask Him to shed that love abroad in your heart. There is a, there is a sense in which we can never know this. We can never fully grasp this love. It's infinite. It will overflow the bounds of our hearts. And if we just keep coming and keep asking, He will not tell us no. This is His desire for us. That we would be like Him. And God is love. We will go to prayer. We have a small group 
of men tonight to pray. So I don't know how long we'll go to prayer, but we will go to prayer. I'm just going to leave this open to pray for whatever is on your heart. Um, we can pray for things on the list. We can pray for anything on the list. We're just going to have one session of prayer, and it is 7.30. When do we normally end? 8.30? If it just dies down and we're not praying, we'll, we'll end early. But let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Just thought, would you start us off tonight?